Hello. Hi. Hi. Oh my God, who's here? Surprise. <laughs> yeah, that's Bayweekly. And there are two usual hosts. It's Dima Malenka. It's Slava Rudnitsky. And, and we have a our guest. friend here. Yulia. Is it Kudina or Kudina? How do you? Kudina. Yulia Kudina. And... This is a very special episode because it's basically the last episode in 2022. And we hope that... Dima, okay. <laughs> would you yeah, like I'm, to correct I'm thinking, yeah, it's, the, it's definitely going to be the last episode that will get published, right? I was I started thinking if, if this is going to be the last episode we record this year. Sorry for, for derailing the conversation. That's fine. Not, not the first time, not the last time. But anyway, this is the guest episode, and Yulia is with us here today. She is working as vice president of people at Reface, and she also does a lot of career advisement. We'll add links to her social profiles if you'd like to connect with her. Many of my friends have already tried her services and just the best and positive feedback. Apart from that, Yulia is a podcast host, as she likes to say, junior podcast host. But I think it's not about the experience, but about the fact that she's a podcaster. And the podcast is quite interestingly named a podcast of Losha and Yule. Or Yule and Losha. It's also quite challenging Lusha to remember. I think that that should You're be changed. Right. <laughs> uh, and the thing that I keep for, for some reason remembering that uh, Yule is a meditation practitioner who does meditations for every single day for hundreds of days, maybe years. Hundreds well, of years, years would be <laughs> remarkable. <laughs> hundreds of years is remarkable. And today we are going to talk about the way we learn, but before that, there is a follow-up. Right. And as it always happens, the follow-up is from, from me. And remember last time I brought up the issue with Audible where the chapter numbers do not match the chapter number. Chapter numbers in audiobooks do not match chapter numbers in the paper books, paper version of the same books. And I found, and it is in the show notes, link is in the show notes to the previous episode, like an official confirmation from someone in Audible that yes, this is intentional. And they went into a, a kind of convoluted explanation for why that is. So there is like literally zero match between the chapter numbers in Audible and chapter numbers in uh, in, in regular paper books. So you, you, what you have in Audible, you cannot use for, for reference. This that's is really how it handy. goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, very useful. Like in 2022, yeah, that, that's what we expect. Especially when you, you have two jobs just to make it sound nice and to make it easy to navigate, right? Maybe they, they think that they only have one job, make it sound nice. <laughs> they don't care about how people navigate. But that's it. I, right. I just wanted to confirm that, yeah, that officially this is a, a sort of, we don't need to spend any more time trying to figure out what's going on. We, we will not be able to. Well, just to be fair, they said that they're working on this issue and it was about a few years ago and they asked to stay tuned and nothing has changed. So like the best software products... They know about the issue and they know that we know that they know about the issue. And I think that's going to just multiply. Last. 
back in season one, uh, we had one very interesting episode for me because it was about the way we learn. And I think that it's really time to do the updated version because Jim and I are now in, at season two, which is a grown-up podcasting career. And I think that now we have much more to tell about this. But Yuli here is one of the people around that keeps learning many different things all the time. The way I see it from her uh, social media, the way I see from our conversations. So it would be really nice to hear about learning from both of you guys. But traditionally, we'll start with definitions. So what do you understand by learning just with your own words? I can start. So for me, learning is obtaining new information, knowledge, attitudes, habits, values, basically many things by many different ways and in many different forms. But uh, the main thing is that it's new. And it's obtained. Yes, and it's obtained. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Yeah, I was a bit appalled, uh, Slava, you included a definition from, I think, Merriam-Webster dictionary mm -hmm. or something like that, which says, like, learning is the act or experience of one that learns. Like, yeah, that's super <laughs> helpful. Like, yes, that, that's, that's what I needed to understand what learning is. But then uh, I I wasn't able to to come with a satisfactory definition of learning for, for myself. I can, I can, like, when someone... Even when I ask myself, is this learning, I would be able to say yes or no using some sort of criteria, but I was not able to actually formalize it into any sort of definition. I don't know, Slava, what, what are your thoughts apart from Miriam Webster definition that you shared with us? Mm -hmm. To me, Miriam Dexter's definition about like the other two elements which we didn't announce, that it's knowledge or skill and that is acquired by instruction or study, or its modification of behavior or habit, is generally full. The only thing that is kind of lacking is the reflection part, because I think that we don't normally or typically consider self-reflection or meditation as instruction but by default or by definition. But I think that many things I've learned, I've learned from observing and analyzing, but not necessarily somehow relating it to the formal study. Would, would, you, would you say that intentionality would play an important role in something being a learning? So like you, you have to have an intention to actually learn something? I think it's both yes and no. Because I had to research a couple of types of learning uh, before the podcast. And it was interesting to read that, like, not all the types of the learning are intentional. Because so when we talk about, like, social learning, for example, when you're spending time around people, you don't always want to learn something about them, for example, or from them. But you still do because you're a social creature. And... Uh, you know, when you are around someone, you follow what other people do and uh, society has big impact on you. So you still learn, but it uh, shouldn't have been intentional, for example. Hmm. Hmm. Dima, what, what are your thoughts on intentionality? I would, 
I would describe a lot of value to intentionality in, in learning process. Uh, like like in this in this example of social learning, I'm not sure I would call this exactly a learning. When I came across something, let's say I was walking past uh, a fence and there is something written on the fence and I kind of, quote-unquote, learned what's written on that fence, but it was not intentional and I'm, I would have a tendency to forget this information or not use it in any other situation and so in 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 the social setting i would think if we, we do have a tendency to repeat or mirror the behavior of other people but is this learning really mm, I, I could clarify i think intentionality is really important in the element of practice like when you're practicing something that's really hard to do without an intention but generally learning could happen unintentionally I can remember uh, back in the 90s in Ukraine, most English-speaking movies were terribly translated and you could hear two sound lanes. Like you, you would hear right. the original uh, voice and then there would be like a translation on top of it. And I think that many people actually learned their first English from watching those weird movies when the translation was a few seconds late and you could hear some words randomly without actually catching or focusing on that or realizing that my cousin is one of good examples. Like he learned it from listening to music and watching movies, but he never really focused on studying. So who knows? That's interesting. The thing that you mentioned here reminded me of a concept about deliberate practice. Before the show, uh, Yura was talking about her driving experience, and I think that deliberate practice is very nicely illustrated by driving. Like, if you would like to practice driving, it's not enough to drive, because you can drive for multiple years, but still have troubles with parking. Oh, you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that here uh, you have to practice a specific thing that you struggle with. Like, if, if you have issues with parking, then practicing parking multiple times to get the skill fixed uh, is essential here. Usually it's also described on the example of basketball. Like if you just throw the ball, come pick the ball, uh, come to, to a different position, throw the ball again, it, it doesn't look like practice. But if you stand on the same position, people hand you the balls and you just practice the throw over and over and over again, your mind kind of tunes and can feel more and uh, can, can be more intentional about learning. So I, I think that in case of deliberate practice, that's highly, highly important. We're getting very serious here. Yeah. <laughs> it's a serious topic. <laughs> right. Yeah. And definitions are important. <laughs> uh, somebody added, what is not learning? Yeah, that was me. Could you explain? <laughs> yes. Yes, I can. <laughs> for sure. Please. Uh, as, as I said, like I, I was, I had difficulty coming up with my definition or at least expressing my way of thinking about learning coherently. So I thought that maybe uh, we can, or at least I can do that, like from the opposite side, if we can define, if we cannot define what learning is, if we cannot define what is not learning, then we will get uh, the definition of what learning is as a as a reversal of, of the original thing. But there, I, I'm also kind of struggling. I, uh, like like in, in, in this example, I I would agree that I guess my initial view on intentionality would be 
would probably be applicable for professional like setting like that type of learning but of course as you suggested the the whole scope or the main of learning is much larger than than our let's say professional activities and i don't know maybe, maybe we can take a look at, at some some examples of and and then qualify or vote if it's learning or not learning let 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 me start with something like yesterday okay like it, it was an accident right i came across a video on youtube about how to sharpen knives and turns out there's a whole bunch of not i don't want to say science but it's a craft of its own to, to sharpen knives, especially those professional knives that are used by chef. And I watched, I think, 25 minutes of that video. It was 25 minutes video, like describing the, the process, how it works, why it works, and what are the differences, different steels used for different knives and all that bunch of stuff. So what's that learning? Me watching that video, what's that learning? Did you hear some new information? Yes, I did, for sure. I now know that there are two styles of knives, like European German knives uh, and Japanese style knives. They are sharpened in a different way. Uh, the steel for different kind of knives is different and there, therefore the sharpening procedure for them is also different. I know that now, like one one day after after watching the video, I still remember this information. So based on my definition of learning, you obtained some new information, which means you learned something. Congrats. <laughs> you learned something new yesterday. <laughs> you know, Dima, I, I think I can feel what what is wrong here or what you're trying to imply. My friend alexi once told me that he loves learning something useless you know just random facts random things random skills that he will never use or apply something that is not utilitarian something you you don't even know why you need but it's just fun and i think that in your case when you think that something is impractical and it it kind of feels useless and if it's useless then probably shouldn't be bothered like shouldn't take your intentionality yeah i i think i, I would agree, agree with that, that that my take on this or my, my view on this is definitely tainted by the fact that learning as a word in like ukrainian or russian uh, i grew up with was associated with this very intentional process of learning something for the purpose of using this afterward right so that Mm -hmm. like how to transform cubic centimeters into cubic milliliters yes of course like when you when you come into a grocery store and that there is something that they they, <laughs> they, they they want to sell sell you milk and it says two pints how would you figure out how much milk that is you can see it's like that, that much, <laughs> that, that much <laughs> give me this much milk please I'm not sure whether Dima remembers, but back in Dimpro, there was a friend of mine, Ahmed. He was really bad at Russian. And whenever he went shopping, it was always a crazy story. Once he wanted to buy chicken, but he forgot how to say it. So he comes to the cash register with an egg 
and says, где мама? Where is the mother? <laughs> Just to find it. It's such a creative approach. Not every person uh, will do that. You, I mean, you can feel ashamed, right? Uh, even to yeah. ask that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool guy. <laughs> it's about adaptation, I guess. Uh, but I, I would like to roll back to this social learning that Yulia mentioned. Could you give us more input on what it is and how it works? Yeah, so when I started thinking about learning, I read about this type. I didn't know this definition, but then I just understood that this is actually how I learn uh, most of the time uh, recently. So when you are around, when you're a member, an active member of the society, and when the main subject of the learning is the other person, you can say that it's uh, social learning. And what's interesting is that you can both, like, as I said before, you can both learn from other person, but also about the other person. Mm -hmm. And this about is actually my bread, <laughs> you know, because I'm an HR by day uh, and being around my team and learning how people behave actually helps me analyze this and do something to improve the business. And this is interesting because I've never thought about it this way. So thank you guys for the topic of the podcast and for this uh, reflection. Uh, so yeah, this, this is very interesting. Yeah. So, and also like the work part uh, is more clear. And then uh, when we learn from other people, like every time I met with Slava uh, over the last month, I made some notes in Google because he used some words I didn't know. Or like he told me about something like the Aspen reunion, for example. Yeah? And I went to Google about that, like how you do it or how you study there and so on. And this is the social learning. Yeah? And recently I've been uh, thinking about my, like about the people I spend time with. And like I intentionally, <laughs> intentionally <laughs> want to spend more time with the people I can learn from because like this is interesting and uh, you develop and so on. Can, can we again get a bit deeper into the definition? Because I think that basically whenever you learn pretty much anything, you learn it from people, just not always directly from this person. So it's it can be more like, uh, you know, it's not a formal education, of course, because if you go to mm -hmm. the, I, I don't know, lecture or webinar, It's not so much of a social learning, it's a formal learning. Yeah, you pay for that. Or you go to school and you have a professor or a teacher is also like a person, but it's a formal education. And here, yeah, it's just your everyday life. It can be uh, informal, totally informal. And it can be your colleagues, for example, like uh, also work-wise. We all want to work with interesting people, not only experts, but uh, someone who can tell you about interesting things they do with the hobbies, and so on. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And would you then think that maybe like cor corporate culture and that kind of thing is a is a way to exercise or harness social learning for, for good, right? We, we... It is. It is an instrument <laughs> that some companies use and others don't. Actually, like the corporate culture, you know, when you said about intentional learning, and I said that it's not always intentional. A good example is that when you become a part of a new company 
and there is a culture of cheating, for example, and you don't want to be a cheater like in your life, but then mm -hmm. you're a part of the team who like who know that in order to succeed, I need to cheat. And then the system gives you all the small and big things on cheating, whatever it is in that specific company. And then whether you want it or not, if you're staying in the company, you learn how to cheat. And that's the way you work from now on. But uh, maybe when you started, it was not your intention to be a cheater. That's interesting. And uh, let's try to push it a little further. In the very beginning, we learn by observations. So we basically watch people do stuff and copy that and do it over and over. And pretty much the same in management or at work. We come, we see what people do and we kind of do the same stuff. And that's how we, we come to a certain level, let's say intermediate. But in order to get to advanced, you actually have to learn to think. And I think that's a complex thing and it's harder than just something conventional you can learn a skill you can learn a competency you can learn a set of behaviors or habits but if you would like to learn to analyze for instance um, i know that western uh, education system actually has classes on analytics like you you learn how to take a system decompose the system look at the relation between elements don't touch the microphone don't touch the microphone and uh, after that you kind of practice every single thing and then put it together and voila. I believe that in the Ukrainian system, we never were supposed to learn this, but we somehow can analyze. How did it happen? Is it also like just being next to someone analytical and assuming that this process works like this? Can be something like 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 with with the stories. I guess if if we continue with the social social idea, if if there is an analytical person and they have, they they take extra steps to explain. Like when they're given a question or a task, they they come up with a solution and they then go an extra step and explain how they arrived at the solution and the people around them who are presented with the solution and how that person arrived at that solution can learn that, hey, this this solution kind of makes sense and maybe later on they can see that it works, but they, they would then become interested in, in ways how to arrive at those solutions or those kinds of solutions and they would listen or pick up the method that the analytical person used. Yeah, but if, if there's a logical fallacy in this argument and the person learns to think using this thing and then it just becomes part of the thinking process. Right. Yep. Right. It works both <laughs> ways, right? No, come on. I, I, I thought there would be something more solid there. <laughs> no, but generally this is the problem of our mentality is that uh, there are not so many people who are into analytical thinking, it seems to me. And maybe because, because we're not uh, taught this in school, uh, or the same goes for uh, like critical thinking. Uh, that we don't have such subjects in uh, school. And uh, maybe like now in some private schools, uh, I recently had a great experience uh, talking to school children in a private school. But how many uh, families can afford uh, that in Ukraine now? Not many. And then we go to the university, which sometimes can be even worse <laughs> than the school. And uh, 
very well and able who doesn't dig deeper, you know, and uh, who doesn't analyze uh, information you get. And then you can be brainwashed. But again, it's not a positive conversation. <laughs> well, uh, just to make it a bit more positive, there is a textbook in Ukrainian schools and Ministry of Education that certified it. It's named Critical Thinking. And I believe it's fifth to sixth grade, but it's the optional class right now. It's not something that part of obligatory system. I didn't have it. So... Since we're on, on the topic of ed education, critical thinking, I would then maybe go ahead and share a bit of about educational system in, in the UK or in England. It is, to, to my surprise, like something like critical thinking and those softer, well, critical thinking is more of a hard skill, I guess, one, one can argue. But um, along with uh, some soft skills like presentation and like even sto storytelling, I think they here they embed this thing into like day-to-day -day education a lot more because from my from what I hear from uh, from my daughter, they they apply those things in biology classes, in chemistry classes, in even history classes and whatnot. And when we were applying to uh, to a new to a new school. I want to say that all of those schools where they had exams, they had quote unquote paper on critical thinking where students were given a like a question or a problem and they had to kind of argue their way about the like, importance of that problem and or uh provide their view or take on solutions to, to, to that problem, which I think is a great thing. I would love to see more of that in Ukrainian schools as well. Let me give you a case. Let's say we have an employee who struggles with some critical thinking. How would you as a mentor, both of you actually, help one get more critical thinking, knowing what you know now and seeing? Like basically you can see that the person makes some logical fallacies and sometimes the reasoning is not really straight and research. There's no such word as research in making decisions, etc. So how would you approach such such a case i can start usually if i see such a case i would try with some i will start with something generic like i don't know find some occasion to share what uh, critical thinking is and maybe i will not make it specifically to one person but to a group of people so that no one feels bad or ashamed, so to say. I mean, like, if we want to start working with any topic, let's just approach it more systematically, right? So just the basic first steps would be to, uh, like, we started uh, what it means, this word and how it works and general overview and not so much pressure. Uh, and then you can just find a mentor for that person either internally or externally, if it's really important that the person gets more of the knowledge, specific one, then you can invest right into that and you find a good match, like a good mentor that he will have a good contact, he or she will have good contact with. Then they work together. Uh, and because I believe that you can find a mentor on any topic now, like anything you can particularly think of. Yeah, that, 
that that makes a lot of a lot of sense i guess uh probably speaking more from the point of view of such a mentor <laughs> uh I, I would think of maybe three ways to kind of that get this that that person initiated to the critical thinking first like when they present results of their work what whatever that is which is lacking in critical thinking one one way would be try to very directly explain them hey this is this is where your argument falls apart these are the reasons for that this is how i came to, to this conclusion and so on and so forth it may work or it it may not work i, I guess there there can be examples of of both and then another method can be to take work of some third party person and then do a critical analysis together with this um with this mentee and like maybe it may be easy for them to to get those logical fallacies in someone else's work rather than 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 their own and maybe the, the extreme one extreme method could be to like if they have fallacies in in their thinking it probably means that they would arrive at results or conclusions that are incorrect or ineffective and one way to learn about those conclusions being ineffective is to let them follow those conclusions and and fail and then maybe force them or encourage them to reflect on that experience and uh, learn uh, lessons from it maybe that's harsh but fair as my uh, friend used to say bitchy but valid <laughs> uh, right fair enough sorry i actually have one more way to promote like any behavior uh, since you asked about uh, the company example we can use it like in the company culture like if we want to promote uh, any behavior or any situations we want them to be repeated all the times we can just communicate that oh look something happened someone was thinking critically analyzed and uh, the outcome was very good the person can be i don't know can get something good out of it some incentive or not it depends on the company culture again and then if we talk about it uh, a number of times then people will understand that uh, this is something good for the company i should probably also act like that like that the next time fair enough fair enough P public praise for to reinforce the behavior yeah, that makes sense i have another level of this question i was saying that sometimes when you learn some first things it's, there is a guide for everything like how to use jira you just get a pdf and there is a guide I know in People First Club, Anya Glovchenka is a big fan of guides and like there's a huge library of pretty much anything. And if you start working as a recruiter or as a chair manager, you can just take the guide, open it and just follow the steps and see how it works. And then something doesn't work, something works, but still like, let's say how to set a task. You find five ways, you try five ways, you pick two that works for you and carry on. But then at a certain level, you arrive at the level where... Mm, let's say you're working with something more complex, like corporate culture. And if you Google how to manage corporate culture, you'll find 35 ways none of them is proved by anything more than one single case and a belief of a person who wrote about it. 
And learning to do these difficult things is challenging. And I believe that each of us is at the stage where there is no one course book or textbook or course or even mentor who can guide us through challenges that we go uh, at work from day to day. Like, where is this manual how to manage people at wartime? There is none. So how do you approach a difficult case? Like, let's say you have to learn um, about strategic planning yeah, and suggest something that works for your team or for your company, uh, how to work with the strategy. How would you approach such a difficult and complex issue when there is no correct way of doing that? It's high time to use all the knowledge you've got so far. I mean, everything you learned before and experience. And it can be like a background for your further uh, decisions. Because if you are senior and you deal with uh, such tasks, you've seen stuff, <laughs> you've experienced uh, something. That would be probably like, you know, if, it, if it's a recipe, there will be a couple of ingredients. So your previous experience would definitely be uh, one ingredient. Then you just use common sense. So you just analyze everything that's happening around all the um, context. You can grasp, you analyze it, you add it to your previous uh, experience. And then you also know the team. I mean, if you are if you're working with the team, you need to take into your attention everything, uh, all the details, specifics of the people and the company you're working with. And then you try. I mean, you learn by doing. That in many uh, like in many cases at work, I learn by doing. I can afford it because I work in a startup, and then you just try. Uh, and if it is okay to try and fail uh, in your culture. You stand up and try again after a failure, but you are one step closer <laughs> to uh, a decision that will work. Do you think that's specifically startup-related culture? About no, no, I mean, uh, no, no, no. But uh, I was just thinking about my specific case where uh, like, it's a startup and it's, for us, it's totally okay to try and fail and try again. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that in many and like uh, big uh, companies uh, on different stages of development, it's also okay. So just trying to get it into the practical domain, let's say you decide to integrate more diversity into the corporate culture. You would rely on your experience, what you know about diversity, what you've heard. You'll talk to the team. You'll make a little research and then you'll just try a few things out and see what the feedback from, from them whatever is. Whatever matches with us from the trends I can see around, I will try. Yeah. With the baby steps. Every time I uh, like implement something new, I try to, like, I don't like huge projects rolling out for a long time. It's just MVPs all the time. And it's like baby step. We try. If it's working, we just add on. Mm -hmm. Does it make sense? It does, it does. And you? How do you guys deal with that? I think to, to, to me the key would be like the, in the original question from, from Slava, he said that how do you approach 
like finding or like learning in a situation when you know that there is no one single right solution. So you didn't say it like that, but I think that the gist of it was was this, yeah. that the solution is unknown, and we or we even don't know if there is a solution and what's the, the best solution. I think in, in that situation, learn by doing is the only viable way of moving moving forward. We the the, the way. I would approach the, this situation as would be first to try to set up like reflection or feedback loop that would allow us to like as we try things to correct our actions and and steer our our ship in the direction where we want we want to go and I would definitely definitely advise against trying to find like reading hundreds of books or whatever watching hundreds of youtube videos or, or that that sort of stuff trying to to get to to find a ready-made solution for for the problem but instead try to set up a system of my own to arrive to get a solution and a way to improve the solution as the times go time goes iterate iterate and iterate and one other thing you know slava knows this about me that i can get kind of one two three three ideas and maybe even announce that i have two points to make about this but then i will start making first and forget about the second one i in, in this case i had two points i forgot one but now i remembered which was the second the second one the second one was about uh so when, when you said like, when you want to add or improve diversity in in your company how how would you go about this I would not go about this. I would first want to ask, like, what exactly we are trying to do? What What, what is the problem that we are try, trying to solve? Because introducing more diversity by itself, like, why would we bother to do that, right? We, we may, more often than not, I think something like this would be seen as a solution to a to, to a problem. And the problem is not the diversity. Diversity is a solution to that problem. And when we start thinking about that problem i think it, it it would be it would give us much better way to learn about how to how to solve it and even like if, if i know why we are going to introduce diversity depending on 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 that i may go about introduction of diversity in different ways right if you know what i, I think I'm, that's what pretty I'm much usually something about racism sexism discrimination and a number of other aspects that harassment but it could be a scope of things but why 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 are you doing that are you doing that because why you... am i doing that uh, no no no, <laughs> no, no. Why, <laughs> why uh in in a hypothetical example right? why why like why why would company want to introduce diversity to do to deal with harassment i'm not well, seeing the, the connection <laughs> Well, yeah, and and that's whole whole different topic, right? You you can solve the the problem of quotas in a different way. Well, in multiple different ways. Yeah, of some course. of which could be better or worse. All right. So basically, just to rephrase, you would go for root cause analysis more and try to research the topic on why we need this and what would be the change. Yeah, like what has to be changed so you would see that it worked. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Start with why is always a good thing. <laughs> Unless it's a book. book by Simon Sinek, then it's... <laughs> yes, yes. Then it's not. <laughs> you don't like it? 
no, we don't. We, uh, we disapprove of the, the, the we, idea. We, there is nice. Like we, we like the concept. Good, the book is not. That's why I would agree that starting with why is usually a good idea. <laughs> but in case of Simon, some books are better not to be written, and that's that's one of those. Okay. All right, and that's a trigger point of uh, demon eyes. So well, let's just move, move forward. I would probably add one more thing. Uh, I think that sometimes answers to a difficult question are not in the subject uh, area. Like if you have to learn wartime management, you could look into alternative topics. Like let's say military corporate culture. It has nothing to do with specific management practices that you uh, work, but there could be some solutions or ideas that you could use that could help you or like, uh, I don't know, uh, the way psychotherapists work with people who suffered from trauma or some other things like uh, all these edge and neighboring areas of study could also push you to the direction, especially if there is no like a course book or course or mentor or something on this topic. But I guess that that, that kind of kind of runs along along my point like when you think you need to, to learn wartime management it, it's difficult to learn that thing because that, that that's way too abstract right uh, there is no book on wartime company company management but behind that there is a very specific problem that you want to solve and when you try to solve that particular problem i think it makes it more easier and make makes yourself more open to finding to, to to start looking for solutions in adjacent areas right because maybe the wartime management is similar as like high pressure management or like crisis management or some like you you, you can get ideas for for your specific problem from i don't know from a sports team that on the brink of winning the world cup or something like that where there is also a stressful situation and they apply some technique or method that can work in other stressful situations, including uh, in the context of wartime management. Mm -hmm. That's why I think starting with why is important. All right. Yes, I'd like to push us to another direction here. Can we, uh, do you have an example of a learning program that you would like to take, something that makes you enthusiastic? Well, yeah. You mean uh, Tell like us more. <laughs> uh, the like first time we met, I told you about Masterclass that uh, I bought a subscription to that. And uh, for those who don't know, uh, it's an app, or I don't know, maybe it's not an app; it's a platform, web service. Yeah, yeah, it's a web service with many classes that you can take, and they are led by celebrities and the best of the best when it comes to that specific direction like for example if you want to learn how to cook you can learn from Gordon Ramsay an example like that or the first course I took (laughs) was about personal brand and uh, it was led by the lady I never knew uh, before uh, but she turned out to be like a great uh, celebrity and she knows a lot about uh, personal branding chris jenner have you watched or you you might have heard about uh, 
something something Kardashians uh, series. You know, life with the Kardashians. Uh, so uh, I'm also not a fan, uh, but turns out many people around the world know this uh, show. And now it's uh, a lot of businesses around that. So she had this uh, class, master class made uh, on the platform. And uh, there is a number of uh, classes I want to take now, even though I never considered such things like uh, cooking, for example, also there. And uh, like uh, the class uh, Slava told me about, about ukulele. So how, how to play ukulele. And uh, so this is cool. I have uh, I have a list of classes I want to take now. The only problem is to like uh, find uh, time. But a uh, good thing about masterclass is that you can download them. So you don't need internet connection uh, or stable internet connection. And uh, for today, uh, it's very important. It's a big plus uh, for this platform. So yeah, uh, I have something uh, I'm looking forward to learn. And you? Yeah, let's go for you. I'm really curious about your answer. Yeah, um, I have a, um, an unorthodox idea about this, and I'm not sure how um, it, it is more, more difficult to, to, to attain something something like this, I guess, but I would really love to participate in working on a project with someone who um who who I would love to learn from if you know what I'm trying to say so like if I if I were to to learn about let's say filmmaking I'd rather not take a master class course on that but I'd rather work on creating a film with with some real filmmaker and then learn from from them or like in in a similar similar fashion i don't i don't i don't know i don't have any specific topic or anything like that in mind for that moment but but that would be the kind of setting or the kind of course i would love to partake some sometime that's kind of cheating yeah because i ask about learning experience or learning programs and you basically say that i would like to work with a person Right, because I think as, as we as we established a bit earlier, learning by doing is well. well at, at least I think it works best for for me, and I think of this as a, the most truest form of learning. <laughs> but Dima, I think that is great, and I would also love to like uh, sit in one room with the person and do something together. But uh, for me, uh, platforms like Masterclass make it possible for a wide range of people, no matter how many connections you have, right? Because, uh, for example, filming with some, like, cool guys, it's not possible for most of the people, just theoretically. So, I mean, you just, uh, it's too much of a hassle probably to arrange that. Maybe it's too expensive also, and uh, not every person has access to that resources. But uh, when you take a platform, for instance, you can, you also get, have access to like celebrities, best of the best, uh, and then uh, you learn. But yes, it's just, uh, you just watch them uh, speak, not mm-hmm. do anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in in my case, your turn. it's kind of different now because uh, back in the past, I would be really motivated by some institutions. I would say like, oh, I'd love to get to Aspen and learn from this and or like, hmm, 
Kiev Mahila Business School is amazing or like Kiev Business School is doing some good job. I would like to take this, this and this course there. And I've realized now I don't. <laughs> it just doesn't work this way. I still have a list of things I'd like to learn. Some of them are simple, like blind typing, and it doesn't really matter where you learn it. You can just I don't know, get a web service and just put some time practicing and that would be enough. Some of them are more complex, but uh, th there is no single place because I guess I'm a bit too skeptical about the formats. Like I, uh, whenever I get to business schools or lectures, even this ukulele thing uh, that, that was at masterclass, I bought an ukulele. It's actually here. Yeah, perform something yeah, for us. Show yeah, us. yeah. <laughs> show us what you can. <laughs> My point was that I still think that sometimes there is no one good way or best way, uh, especially learning from celebrities, because what I loved about this course that this guy was so passionate about uh, playing. He was like, oh, I love this chord. This is so cool. I, I can't remember when was the last time I heard something, someone speaking about a very simple thing like that. Uh, and that's an amazing enthusiasm. But as a learning practice, I realized that I kind of change my mentors and teachers to work the way it works for me. I come to Kiev Mahila Business School for a course. They do some sort of lectures a question like, do we really need this lecture? Can we change it to something? Do you think we can spend more time on the case? Let's do some pair work. So I interfere into the learning process. Maybe I'm just too critical or I'm... Because many people just sit and enjoy. Like on a group of 38 people, there would be like me and someone else who would try to alter the course of studies. And the same for Aspen. Like when we got there, uh, the first day, I started rebelling against some rules, questioned the moderators, doing some things, rebuilding the structure. So my answer is no, there is not a single learning program, but there is a number of things I'd like to learn. And how are you going to learn them if it's not a program? What other ways do you find? It's usually a blend, a blend. Let's say ukulele, which is a very simple example. Masterclass is one way, getting an instructor is the other, jamming is the third one, improvising is the fourth one. Plus, I do play the guitar, so ukulele is not like the first musical instrument for me. There are some similarities. <laughs> yeah, okay. You're not starting from scratch. <laughs> I'm not sure how it actually gets into cheating, but I think the, the examples Slava you gave are, are, are very interesting and I think they, they kind of overlap with one of the topics uh, or one of the questions I put in, in our notes. I think like from, from my perception around the world or around the internet, we have lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of resources for someone to get from 0% to let's say like 20, 30, 40% of proficiency or knowledge or learning on a particular subject and getting from zero to anything is kind of relatively easy right and we have lot, lots of them but then getting from let's say 60 70 80 percent to 90 to, to 95 to 200 percent is extremely difficult and i think what Salva you described with with this when when you came in and start, started restructuring stuff 
Was it maybe because people were giving you zero to thirty percent thing where you wanted seventy to to ninety percent stuff, and you said, like, "No, that that's too too basic, too too boring for me." I've uh, I've done that long long time ago. I need something something more. Mm, I, I remember that back maybe ten years ago. I was really eager on learning a lot of new stuff by listening. I would mm-hmm. listen to lecture, podcasts, get read a lot of books, like getting a lot of input there. But then you start analyzing and putting these things in practice, checking, validating those. And at a certain level, uh, just input is not enough. Like you, you don't want to listen to another more theory on how to manage teams. You would like to actually put it in practice and see how it works, find the pitfalls, find the ways to improve it. Like I, I don't want to take an agile book and follow it word by word, like doing what thing. I would like to see why it is so, how it became so, how I can use it. Is it applicable in education or in, I don't know, horse riding or in any other areas? Mm. So I'm not sure I'm answering your question, but the short answer is yes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I can take this for an answer you know, what do you think like what was your experience let's say even even with, with the master class because i i've heard of master class like many many times many many times obviously but i i never came over the boundary to 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 pull the trigger and buy the subscription because i worried like hey i know that there are celebrities and like very successful people in different fields producing those um courses for for master class but i was worried and still am worried that what they give there is kind of relatively basic and it would probably work for areas where i have zero or very little knowledge about but it would not work for areas where i already know something and the areas where i want to deepen my understanding or skills or or knowledge how is it in your experience well i just started like I bought the subscription less than a month ago and I finished only one course. And uh, frankly, it was, I, I didn't learn much, but I didn't buy the subscription for the sake of learning. It's more about exploration of uh, the educational platforms. I'm curious about how that works because I have my course and I try to like see how other people uh, teach in order to make my course better and my future courses, because I really enjoy teaching. So this is like, you know, a little bit like an inspiration and not only for the sake of knowledge. Uh, and uh, I'm sure that the other courses that will be like, will be something totally new for me. Like uh, for now, the course on modeling is targeting me and I'm like, why on earth? <laughs> This is happening. So I, I'm considering taking a course that I would never, ever take in any other circumstances. So I, I want to be open to new experiences and just check it out, maybe laugh, maybe learn something new. But then so uh, I can share uh, my feedback after a couple of months when I try more. Uh, I think it will be more fair then. But for now, uh, I'm just excited by the level of production by the visual 
by the audio, by everything. So how they make the product is amazing. Like as uh, for, I have an, I have a great user experience for now, and uh, it's already worth uh, the subscription, <laughs> even if I take a couple of more courses uh, during the year. It's not Coursera, <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, it's more exciting. No, and this is where we are different because uh, I struggled from the very first ukulele thing because I couldn't download the workbook. I had to find an alternative way to get it because the button wasn't working. I tried different browsers and then said like, no, 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 no. That, that's not how it's supposed to be. Okay. You see, tastes differ <laughs> and expectations also. I do agree about the production level. Like I think the videos are really high quality. Mm, that's great. You know, one more thing that I just remembered that uh, about a year and a half ago, I was approached by a group of guys who just finished reading a book about critical thinking, and they decided to make a practice group to practice things they learned from the book together. Mm. And they invited me as a moderator for the debates because they wanted to try to implement things that they learned in the book. Uh, guess what? In the process of debates, it turns out that it's much more difficult than it is written, and it's quite easy to write an argument that it's harder to say an argument and uh, saying a number of arguments and uh, digging deeper takes time and resource and skill and habit and blah, blah, blah. But the idea of a study group uh, just stays with me after that day, and I've already created three, and I think uh, we are about to get one more. And I think that discussing what you've learned somewhere is a really valuable thing. And that's why I kind of like podcasting because Dima is kind of my study group. Uh, whenever I learn something, I just bring it to him and say like, Dima, here is a cool article or here's a set of tools I've heard about. And he's like, eh, I'm not sure that's it's that exciting. <laughs> Critical thinking detected. <laughs> Yeah, from Slava, the serial study grouper, right? Kind of, kind of. But, uh, you know, like every book that I've read, and it kind of tackled me, not even impressed, but just I thought it might be interesting or practical, I would bring to my weekly and say, like, guys, let's discuss it. We should talk about it more. And I think that uh, when you... Um, there, there are two kinds of reading here or watching. It could be uh, also a podcast about a lecture or about some video clip, I don't know. When you read for fun or just for the exploration, you have very low expectations. Like pretty much anything you learn about those knives will be something new. Like you got this new stuff and away you go. But uh, as Dima mentioned in our previous episode, when you listen to an audiobook knowing that you're going to discuss it, it's kind of a different approach. You start taking more notes, you slow down sometimes, you roll back in some cases to re-listen to the chapter that was not super clear. And uh, I think it's pretty much similar to uh, these Aspen format. When you read the text and you know that you're going to talk about the text, so you highlight some things, you write down the questions, the insights, the, que uh, the um, rejections, and, and so on. So it's an intentional learning. Right? Because you put more effort into it. I would say deliberate. Oh, okay. Intentionality, like even if you choose to watch a number of lectures, it's still intentional, but uh, you don't take ownership on the learning process here. And if you realize that, oh, all right, that's the input, but the output will depend on 
I should stop, stop touching the microphone. But the output will strongly depend on how I approach this, like whether I find a person to talk about or if I decide to write an essay, which I hate from schools, but I think it's a very powerful tool. Have you ever written an essay in your adult life? Mm, I want to say yes, even, even though they, they were not called essays, but like articles or notes arguing for a particular point. I think that would qualify for an essay. Yeah, I think I, I written those. I love writing, specifically in English. I hate writing in Ukrainian. Uh, because they translate <laughs> things. And why is that? Because at school, I participated in Olympiads in English, and mm. I wrote so much, like all the crazy, because I was preparing for the old Ukrainian Olympiads, and I had an amazing tutor, and we write uh, like uh, stories, uh, like if I were a clown, or if I were a mayor of Vinica. If I wear a candle, and, I, and that's one story, yeah, yeah, that's a story. That's a story. Yeah. So the name is "If I Wear a Cloud," and then I need to write an A four for her, and then we discuss it. No, no, my joke was "If I Wear a Cloud," who is a mayor of Vinnytsia and <laughs> no, the no, candle no. at the same time. <laughs> no, I missed that. You know, humor, <laughs> humor not detected. <laughs> my bad. A joke that has to be explained is not a good joke. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. So essays, uh, I, I really like. Uh, I want to write more. Uh, but uh, I don't always uh, choose to probably because you can find time for everything you want. But it's it's interesting because when I, Slava, I, I guess that you put this essays uh, in learning tools and platforms list in our notes, but I took this uh, this item to mean a slightly different thing. And I, I'll try to explain this here. Like when, when we say that essay is probably a short form writing, arguing for a particular point or describing a particular problem for, from a particular point of view, right? Essays would not typically try to be all-encompassing and then have a holistic view on a particular problem they typically look at, a, at at an aspect of a of a thing and with that you very often you, you can you are much more likely to come across essays that argue for a point that you disagree with right which would be different from our typical learning especially from the, that we were subjected to in ukraine when there is a quote-unquote right way of thinking about something and when you read a textbook textbook provides you with all the correct knowledge like there is nothing bad in that book but when you read essays you can get sometimes sometimes you can get ideas that hey i, I don't disagree with that even though the argumentation for that can be correct there are no logical fallacies but the author may be giving priority to different things or differently to how you would uh, give priorities to or importance to to different aspects of things and i think it, it is also an important way of learning from something that you disagree with not only getting the right correct knowledge about the problem but also learning about other way of other ways of thinking or other ways of looking at at problems and and learning from 
uh, from that. It, sometimes I think, at least in my case, it can be painful reading like books or essays where I do not agree with the position of the author or with their conclusions. But if I power through that, I find that I often can learn something new to make my point of view maybe stronger or provide better arguments for that, or at least appreciate that there is a different different way of thinking and, and be prepared that different people can come to different uh, different conclusions about something. Have you, have you experienced anything like, like that? I guess not, but mostly because of debating experience. I learned not to differentiate things into things I believe and things I don't, but things I know something about and things I don't know something about yet. And if, for instance, somebody asks me whether I believe Ukraine should store nuclear elements on the territory of Ukraine, I don't have an opinion about that. So it's really hard to say. If I think Ukraine should be a democracy, I say yes, but I'm ready to explore the monarchy option as well. Well, monarchies are not bad. There are plenty of nice monarchies around, and why not? There might be arguments uh, about that. When While I was putting essays in the list, I also meant reading essays, because, um, for instance, Ayn Rand, popular for the book about Atlas Shrugged, uh, also wrote a number of essays on capitalism, on the way our society works, and they are much more thought-provoking than uh, the fiction that, uh, that she wrote. While we were reading the essay about this, uh, I think it was the Manifesto of the Communistic Party. Um, at first it was emotionally driven, but then when you just put the context aside and think, all right, this thing changed our history for dozens of years, you, you can learn quite a lot from that as well. And speaking about learning from reading, uh, there is a Telegram channel, Sharing is Caring, which is generally in English, and Yula writes some insights and ideas there. I forgot to mention it in the introduction, but I will add the link to the show notes. Uh, interesting fact. Not so long ago, I asked Slava what would be the best way to uh practice uh english a little bit because i i'm missing it and i was worried that i would forget uh the language so other than <laughs> offering me to be a part of your podcast <laughs> uh which is a nice uh, practice slava suggested that i should that one of the ways is to read some information uh, like articles books whatever and then make the uh, like analysis right or the summary of it uh, and that is uh, because like you just uh, gain so much uh, knowledge that you analyze it and uh, the best of the best uh, you just make a summary uh, and i i'm not sure whether i had the channel back then it doesn't matter, but this is a great way uh, to learn because when I read the articles that I choose, I am so into it. Like I try to grasp all the small details and not to leave anything important because I know that at least one person uh, will read it uh, and just for it to be useful. Thank you, Stava, for mentioning it. <laughs> so, uh, I really... oh, no. Karen, I had a question. I wanted uh, to hear and to know what you guys learned. What was the last thing you learned recently? Small or big? Anything? 
Do you want anything except the knives, please? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not the knife story. <laughs> Not the one. Jeez. Oh, that, that, that was a great thing. I know, <laughs> know a lot about knives. I think the... How big is the thing you want? Uh, uh, anything. Prior to, anything. Prior to that, I guess what I truly learned that this was an intentional experience and I was almost at the verge of buying some sort of course for for that although I didn't in in the end I was for editing our podcast for a longer time I was using Adobe Adobe Audition software but it's quite kind of expensive with their subscription and now that we've switched to twice monthly recording it, it seemed a, a bit more of an, of an overkill and so I wanted to switch to a different software which I can just buy and then use it forever forever basically that would be apple's logic pro uh, but the functionality of those two pieces of software is not equivalent the things that are easy or like automated in audition are not as automated in logic pro so i wanted to learn the proper way of using compressor and limiter and stuff like that to to get the same basically result that i can get with addition to get it with logic logic pro so i went rather deep into understanding how like what is a compressor how compressors audio compressors how how do they work what are the different kinds of compressors what are the different parameters that you you can use to control them and and so on and so forth so this this would be the thing i learned last like really learned because like knives were accident this was very very intentional cool I have an unintentional answer. In my case, I learned that if you have to pick a present for a person who has pretty much anything, you probably should do it with a story. And in my case, it ended up being a bottle of wine from the winery in Georgia that I visited. And basically what I was given was the story about this bottle, but not the bottle itself. Because this person was much more expert in wine than I would ever be. But there was one winery I visited. I found the bottle from this place and presented it. And I realized that sometimes when we give stuff and we try to make it practical, but it's really hard to make it practical sometimes, especially when the person is pretty much all set. So the stories are actually valuable. And I've done it twice this week and both times were successful. Nice. That's a present giving is a great skill. <laughs> I struggle uh, a lot with present giving, but it is. It is. Uh, Yula, what about you? What's the last thing you learned? One thing I am learning still uh, is uh, how to be a pet owner. So important uh, thing here is that I'm afraid of animals all kinds of animals and uh, but i want to like it's a fear uh, and uh, i want to fight the fear so uh, last year my friend gave me a cat her her cat her awesome uh, cat <laughs> who are we friends with now uh, when she was traveling and so she's traveling again now and i have a cat for a month and a half so what I'm learning every day is uh, how to touch a cat, how to pet him, how to feed him, and how to live around the cat. Because it sounds, it, it may sound uh, super easy, but for me, it's a work. 
like every day because uh, like I'm still not uh, I don't feel really confident when he is in the room and he can jump or like when he touches me unexpectedly I'm like a little bit stressed and then a couple of days ago I stood on him I didn't want to but it was dark uh, because there, there were no light in uh, yeah so I it's just uh, it was very stressful so every day and even today you know when uh, this is the skill that I'm learning uh, to be a pet owner yeah was, you was don't it... you don't take a course for that you just live with the cat <laughs> you just watch the other person behave around the cat and you observe and you repeat you're just not nerdy enough, my friend. Uh, took a course on how to not—I'm uh, not sure what the term is—to train cats do stuff. Like, if you would like to get a high five from a cat or something, there is a way to train them. And she got a kitten that was like three weeks old, and they started training. Time to school. <laughs> like, be useful. Bring the slippers. <laughs> but I'm far from that. Uh, like in order to uh, like train your pet, you need to touch him or her uh, a lot. Uh, and I'm still not always <laughs> confident when I need to touch the cat. <laughs> Was this pet story intentional? Like you meant to do it or it just happened and you accepted it? You know, I, I was thinking about it, uh, that I should have a pet one day. Uh, and it just happened that I was offered this uh, I don't know how to say it. I think it's sitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was not intentional, but uh, I am a yes man. So when life uh, offers you something, you're like, okay. And uh, I, I had a plan B. If it didn't work out, I can always give it to some other uh, friends of ours. Uh, so it was um, a safe zone because if I took, like if I bought a cat, for example, or if I took it from the, how do you say it? The shelter. From the shelter, yeah. If I took it from the shelter, I wouldn't want uh, to be the person who gives it back. But then you have this option also. You can give a cat back to the shelter. But it's more serious, you know. Uh, yeah. I believe that we mostly listen to podcasts here. And do you consider listening to podcasts part of learning? Dima, <laughs> do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, yes, I do. Why? Like, well, for 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 two reasons. Like one would would be that through through podcasts you can get the breadth of knowledge in a sense you, you can use podcasts to explore like we this idea we, we came to it more than once in this conversation i think like, like things like masterclass and other other platforms are are great for explorations and and likewise i think podcasts are great for that but also i feel like with with podcasts with some of them not 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 all of them but with some of the podcasts you can get really deep into a topic when like there are two two nerds or not necessarily nerd, half. nerd yeah, and half or like two, two people like really who are really deep into something and they're passionate about this and they discuss this thing between themselves without paying much attention to, to whether people around them would understand what they're saying like you, you can go really deep 
into a particular topic that way, or at least there is a possibility that you may find a podcast or something like that to, to go really deep. So that that's my reasoning for thinking that podcasts are also a learning tool. What about you, my dear podcasters? <laughs> for me too. I I learn a lot when I listen to other people because I, I learn about them. Uh, so when I was preparing for the podcast, I had to listen your podcast. Uh, I, I mean, I listen to them anyways, but it would be strange to come be a guest on a podcast and you don't know the host, right? So you can learn something about the people who are the host. Uh, and uh, yeah, about the passion and how people speak about what they love. Uh, we all know that passion is contagious. So maybe you didn't plan to learn about something, but then you heard about it. And then the next minute you're reading more, you're researching on the subject. Uh, so yeah, for me, it's a great source of learning too, especially now with the boost of uh, Ukrainian uh, podcasts. You learn about, you can learn about history, language, culture, and this is not something I have very good knowledge at. So uh it is it is cool and uh, you can also like for me the benefit of a podcast is that you combine it you can com combine it with doing uh, something else like with a workout or with doing some stuff at home or with a walk so many benefits cool Baba? you know to me it's usually one of two things i really like meta podcast podcast about work podcasts about recording podcasts, podcasts about something that uh, not just the subject matter, but uh, the meta level. Uh, that's why uh, one of the shows that Jim and I refer a lot to Cortex. I really enjoy their episodes when they describe how they work. Like one of them is the YouTuber, the other is the podcaster. And when they tell about some backstories of how things are arranged, it's really exciting. But when they just discuss books, it's not as exciting as it might be. And the other thing that I sometimes do, not often, but sometimes, if I have to learn a topic, let's say change management, I would pick a few podcasts from different contexts, like Australian, uh, US, European, something else. And I would listen about the same topic from people from different contexts. But here you can actually manage it. With articles, it's harder because you could have, you have to Google, like if you come to some, I don't know, publishers like The Economist, The Guardian, uh, it's really hard to understand where it comes from but with podcasts it's usually very straightforward like here's the guy he's from here go and listen to what one has to say about let's say hr and if i wanted to discover uh, learning and development practices in the world i would listen to podcasts to see uh, especially if there is one series of with different hosts or guests who come and go that's also quite interesting but uh, I, i've done it only three times but i think it's underused uh, tool for me and by the way you guys are making it much easier for people to learn and dig into information more with your notes because you have great notes for the podcast and kudos for that uh, because uh, like i enjoy uh, just following the links and reading more on what you're talking about Yay. <laughs> At least there's one person who reads our notes. I don't think I'm the only one. <laughs> yeah, there are two, two, two of us. I write them and then I read to proof, proof, I, I proofread them and then there's Yuna who reads them for real. 
I think notes are actually quite valuable because you, you do get a lot from looking into what people are discussing. I remember this AI discussion that was very popular a few months ago. And if you couldn't see what they're talking about, it would be really hard. So it's like a handicap for lack of visual content. You, you can just cover it. So what's the thing you learned today? Do you mean during the podcast or generally today? Just to clarify. I've never thought that deep, so whatever. That's a um, difficult, difficult question, right? Well, because it, it can be a whole, whole bunch of different things, right? It, it can be... The, uh, uh, one one thing that I probably learned today that when in 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 the park nearby uh, where we were walking today, we made the wrong turn at one point. So now I learned that if we were to to go back the shorter way, we should have gone right instead of left on that particular intersection. Would that qualify as learning for for the context of your question here? Getting new knowledge or changing the habit or experience by experience. Yep. It does qualify. All right, cool. Okay, during breakfast, I was watching YouTube show about uh, the food places of Lviv. Oh, nice! And then I, uh, I will, and I just started watching it. It's like only the first thirty minutes, and I already have two new places on the list that I want to visit uh, next time I'm there. Uh, the first one is called uh, Jerusalem or Jerusalem. Uh, and the second one is Rastim Nahata, hospitable house. I don't know, uh, on the uh, like outside, Lviv, uh, somewhere in the forest <laughs> near uh, the city. That was my learning because I, I really love Lviv. Uh, and I also thought that it's been quite some time uh, since my last visit in May. So why not come there when it's a little bit warmer and visit those places? Does it count? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, cool. And you, Slava? Mm. I woke up at 2 a.m. today and uh, something just was not right. So uh, I, I tried to fall asleep, but they couldn't. And I was staring at the whiteboard. And back on the whiteboard there are my themes. I have three now for five years, for a year and for three months. And I've realized that I can actually make more. Like, So now I have five. <laughs> uh, what I've learned is that this thing can kind of work like a babushka doll. Like there could be a big one and there is a smaller one inside and there is a smaller one inside. And like up to one day, you could still like remember, all right, my theme for this winter is this. My theme for this month is this. My theme for this weekend is this. And they could be all like uh, having some sort of hierarchy because previously they were just not really organized. They were different. And right now I, I can see the logic there. I'm not sure it will sustain for a long time, but for now it, it works. So it, it sounds like you just invented... D-O-K-R, like uh, <laughs> themes, objectives, and key results. I hope not. 
<laughs> I seriously hope not. I'd like to close our show today by uh, memory. Guys, could you remember something that you right now think as the most pleasant learning experience ever? I mean, the experience. Learning experience, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, have, I have some. I have some. But it was very, very pleasant learning experience. Like... Shit. Qualifies hundred percent, but <laughs> the, the, I bet that's not what what you <laughs> you would have expected with with this question. Uh, on my recent trip, I had a pleasure to fly uh, business class to the U.S. And when you fly business class, you, you get a little bed instead of like a regular chair, as in an in economy cabin on on the airliner. And a part of all the flying experience is that they teach you how to use this bed because it can be transformed. It can be a chair, but then it can be transformed to, to a bed. So when I learned how to transform the chair into a bed in a business class was the most pleasant learning experience that I had in recent times. Does it work? It does. Okay, so I'm I'm going to sound like a nerd now <laughs> after Dimas. <laughs> case. So, as a student at the university, I was an exchange student for half a year uh, in Polish uh, university in the city of Poznań. It was Poznań University of Economics. And I here I must say that I generally love learning. So, even in the average uh, university, I kind of enjoyed it. And then I came there and on the first day, we had to choose the subject that we want to like learn to study. And from day one, uh, the whole the next six months, it was amazing because I studied what I chose to, and it was an international group, and that's when I decided that I want to be an HR. So it's because I I chose all the HR related <laughs> subjects somehow, and. It was great. So I still am in touch with a couple of students from that group. And I'm really grateful uh, for that opportunity. It, it was just a totally different university experience. I can only imagine how it is in the best uh, schools of the world. But uh, that was in, probably in comparison with my university. Uh, and Yeah. Yeah, one one could say that this was not only the learning experience, but it's like life defining yeah, yeah. experience. It, it was life changing. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's crazy. I had a story while I was asking you a question, and now I feel like Dima because uh, I was so into your answer that <laughs> kind of yeah, see see that can happen. <laughs> oh, I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I can relate to you uh, more. The most pleasant learning experience was changing the way I cook. I normally cook. I, I don't normally cook. If I cook, I cook very simply. Like that's the powder, that's the water. You mix it in, you count the time, it's done. Like th th that's very, very mm, practical. But my friend Ali uh, from Lebanon was a person of the emotional cooking. Like whenever he cooked a dish, he would cook it in three different ways, in three different places, using three different dishes, getting pretty much the same result, but 
coming there in a very different way. Like I tried to observe this thing and replicate the way I did it. Like I would write down the numbers, the timing, the ingredients. It never worked. And then I learned how he cooks, not what he cooks, but how he cooks. And this thing about like smelling stuff, listening to water, doing some things. And it once and forever taught me that there are two types of cooking. There is cooking for food and cooking for fun. And uh, if you cook for fun, you can actually get a lot of pleasure from it. I don't do it very often, but when I do, it's a lot of fun. Well, nice. So let's hope that our listeners also had a chance to learn something today. And if not today, then hopefully tomorrow or the day after tomorrow or within the next few weeks. Yep. We hope that those would be good weeks. Julia, thank you for joining us today. And well, I guess see you all in 2023. Thank Thanks, you. Julia. Thank you. It was fun.